Welcome. We're live at the well. I'm your host, Tulimubana Namalemo, and I'm here to equip you with mindsets and habits for lifelong lifestyle wellness. I'm a champion for mind, body, and spirit health, and I believe wellness should be pursued as an act of worship to God. As always, we begin every episode with some wellness wisdom, and today's piece of wisdom is be disciplined. Be ye disciplined. (laughs) Many times people will ask myself or other people who are consistent with certain wellness habits where we find the motivation and come a little closer because I'm going to tell you a little secret. We don't always feel motivated. The fact is many times you cannot find the motivation. You will search high and low, far and wide, and you will not find the motivation Like one day you wake up super motivated, the next day, zero motivation. One week, every single day you feel motivated and amped. And the next three weeks, you're like, where did it go? And so even for me personally, there are times, especially when it's cold outside, when I feel more motivation to stay in my warm, cozy bed in my comfortable apartment than to walk outside in the cold to go to the gym. And during those times, the discipline has to kick in. It's like when you go skydiving, I speak like everyone goes skydiving every other weekend, but you should try it at least once in your life. It's kind of fun and a little bit scary, but it's fun. But when you go skydiving, you have a backup parachute in the unlikely event that the primary one fails Discipline is like that backup parachute that is always going to be there, even when motivation is lacking. So don't focus so much on finding, finding motivation and don't feel bad or feel like something is wrong with you because you don't feel motivated every single day because motivation ebbs and flows all the time for so many different reason reasons. Motivation is It's like a feeling that varies, but discipline is a character trait that you can develop and that you can keep. So work on being disciplined. As you could probably tell from the title of this episode, today we're going to talk about the infamous BMI. Dun, dun, dun. So you've probably heard of BMI, body mass index, probably from your primary care physician or whenever you go in for some sort of visit you know, they typically take your height, weight measurement, and they'll give you your BMI. And you may even be familiar with how BMI is calculated, which is by dividing your weight in kilos by your height in meters squared. Now, I'm no mathematician. Actually, I used to be quite the mathematician. Let me take that back because in middle school, I could solve for X like nobody's business. And the hypotenuse, that was that was my thing. The Pythagorean theorem, all that stuff, that I was I was like I was the expert. But after we got to, you know, geometry and calculus, I was like, okay, I'm gonna go ahead and sit down. But anyways, I'm not quite the mathematician, but I know enough about health to understand that BMI is too much of an inaccurate and narrow measure of health especially for how much it's relied on in the medical space. And I completely understand that there's a need to have an assessment that can be used across the board. And clearly they haven't found a better one since the one that was created 
um, a while ago, but I do think that it is important to understand the limitations of BMI before you use it as the main indicator of your health, as many do, because that's what the doctors talk about. And so the biggest issues with BMI are that it doesn't take into account gender, ethnicity, body type, or body composition, or fat distribution. So let's start by getting into some history, okay? So BMI, the Body Mass Index, was created by a famous Belgian mathematician back in the 1830s. So no, he was not a medical professional, so already we're kind of starting off on some shaky ground. Um, but he collected data on men's heights and weights at various ages. And he was trying to determine the average weight, and that's how, or so, sorry, the average man, and that's how he came up with this formula. First of all, first things first, it was based off men, okay? We all know just by using our eyes that men and women's body compositions are generally different. So that's 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 there. Secondly, it was based on European men. And we all know that many ethnicities biolog- biologically have different body types and compositions. Third, BMI doesn't take into account athletes and the athletic build, people who have a lot of muscle, like many of these bodybuilders don't score well when it comes to BMI, yet they barely have any body fat. And then fourth, it doesn't take into account your fat distribution, as in where you're carrying most of your fat. Is it visceral fat? Is it subcutaneous fat? And so on and so forth. And I actually also have my own, call it traumatic experience with BMI. And what had happened was (laughs) I was in middle school and this was a time when I was already very conscious about my weight. Even though I was tiny compared to my size now, I was trying to lose weight, even though I didn't need to lose weight. But I'd also been Uh, playing soccer. And so I was putting on some muscle mass. And so I went in for my annual physical checkup and I guess my BMI had gone up and my pediatrician was like, what have you been eating? Your BMI is up. You need to eat less. And I was so confused because I had been eating less already than before. And so she ended up doing a skin fold caliper measurement on my thigh, which is this gadget that is used to, you know, measure how much fat that you have, um, you know, maybe on your thigh. They also will do it on your, on your arms sometimes. And she could not grab any fat. So basically I was muscle. It was mostly muscle or a lot of muscle. I'm not going to say I was mostly muscle. And so she then retracted her statement. She's like, Oh, never mind. You're fine. But too late lady, the damage was already done, especially because I was just not in a healthy place, um, mentally with my weight and with my body image and body dysmorphia. 
And so my conclusion after that visit was like, okay, now I got to starve because, you know, eating less has not really been working because clearly my BMI is up. And so, you know, I'm about to get into the obese category. And so why do I share this? Why do I share this? So I hear a lot of people talking about how they need to lose weight so that they can get to the BMIs that you know, to, into a healthy BMI range, according to their doctor, according to the chart. And many times that weight is actually unrealistic and not necessarily a healthy weight for them to be at, given all the reasons we mentioned above. And keep in mind, I work with ladies. And so BMI is based off men. So, you know, the numbers are going to be a little different for ladies, especially given, you know, breasts and hips and um, all that kind of stuff. And so I wanted to mention this. I thought it was important to discuss and to bring up just so, you know, when you are determining maybe how much weight you want to lose or determining, you know, your level of health that you're not using solely BMI, that you're considering all the other factors like your body fat, um, mass, your body composition, your body fat distribution. And, you know, there absolutely is such a thing as a healthy weight for your height, but it can't be independent of your body type, your body composition and your fat distribution. So that is all for this episode. And until next time, be well.